0: So the reading can be found on page 970 of the Bibles in your place and it's Luke chapter 1 verses 67 to 79, Zechariah's song, page 970. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God.
1: Probably all found yourself at times in a strange city, a city you don't know, uh, looking, uh, say, for the railway station. And, and there you are in the, in the middle, and you have no idea which direction you should turn. you know if I walk determinedly in this direction, am I merely going further away from where I need to be, and maybe you're part of a, a small group who are equally bemused and lacking direction, and a member of the group says, "Oh, over there there's a signpost, maybe that will help, and you go over and there on the signpost it points towards the station and you can go in the direction you're wanting to go there is a sense in which an important sense in which John the Baptist is a signpost he is a signpost pointing to Jesus in Christian art in 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 western Christian art if if you Look at a stained glass window or a sculpture or a a painting. And, And there's some bloke who's dressed a bit shabbily, who's pointing. That's John the Baptist. He is frequently, usually depicted as somebody who is pointing. Pointing away from himself, pointing towards Jesus. And when we come to what's called Zechariah's song, and then actually in the first service, somebody said, I'd never thought he sang it. And I think it only says Zechariah's song is the title. I'm not, it doesn't say, it says he prophesied, But these are words he spoke or sang or whatever he did. But these are the words of God, <laughs> which he speaks. And there's a sense in which Zechariah is that person who is pointing towards the signpost that points you Towards the place where you're needing to go. And therefore, Zechariah's song points a little bit towards John, John the Baptist, and a little bit beyond John, towards the one he's pointing to. So we find elements of John the Baptist, (laughs) this prophecy, and elements of who John is pointing to, elements of Jesus. Now we come to Zechariah's song, this, this next aspect of our series looking at the, the poetry of Christmas, particularly from Luke's uh, gospel. And the beginning of this song is full of messianic language, language about The Messiah, the one who God has promised that he would send. God promised that he would send the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one to fulfil his purposes. The language which is just full of the sign that this is about the Messiah, God's long-awaited one. Well, it's full of language, actually, at the beginning of the song, about what God has promised and prophesied being fulfilled. So it's not saying this is not something which is entirely new as an idea, but this is coming new as a reality. We've already got this hope, this promise, but it's coming true. In our times, God finally is sending this one. This, this sense of fulfilled promise, fulfilled prophecy. And what does this one do who fulfills prophecy? He brings freedom from enemies. It, it's there in, in several verses. As he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies. And that's actually what the people were waiting for. A Messiah, God's anointed one who would rescue, rescue his people from their enemies. And In a phrase which I used last week. It's true this week too. God is on the move. That comes through in these songs, in this poetry of Christmas, that God is on the move. God is active. God is doing something. I'm forgetting to say, if we we don't believe that God is active and doing something fresh and new at Christmas time in sending Jesus, then we have missed the point. (laughs) That God... In sending Jesus, does something utterly unique, utterly vital, utterly transforming. And Zechariah is pointing towards that and pointing towards his son's role in pointing towards that. God is on the move. And he points, as I said, towards John. John the Baptist, as we generally call him. Occasionally people um, call him John the Baptizer just to make sure he doesn't have a denominational label. But but John the Baptist, the one who baptizes, the one who actually, much more centrally, points to Jesus. John the Pointer. John the signpost, John the one who says, for goodness sake, don't look at me, look at him. And there is a sense in which John has been described as the last of the Old Testament prophets. That's half right and half wrong, he's not in the Old Testament and so that's that's the bit which is kind of wrong, but but to get the sense that he's the last of the ones who come before Jesus to point the way. To say, he's coming, he's coming. But John gets that privilege, which the others did not, of physically being able to point to him and say, and there he is. There he is. And pointing to this long-awaited one in flesh and blood, You, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. Hmm. The last of the prophets in that sense. I'm not saying there's not prophecy in the New Testament, but but it, it changes. Everything changes with the coming of Jesus. Everything changes with the coming of Jesus. But if the first half... The first more than half possibly of this song is talking about the coming Messiah in ways which emphasize freedom from enemies, victory being released from from this towards the end you get language which which I think is, is richer and, and pointing beyond and pointing maybe more. Clearly, still to the kind of Messiah that Jesus is going to be. You, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Forgiveness of sins. Utterly central to who Jesus is and what Jesus does. There's a recognition here by Zechariah that sin is a problem which needs dealing with. People need this forgiveness. And certainly from a, from a kind of Jewish Old Testament perspective, they knew, and you can read your Old Testaments and, and find this, clear enough that the enemies of God's people as it were were triumphing were in control because God's people had not been faithful that, that that's a theme which runs through the Old Testament that, that God's people aren't faithful and, and God brings judgment on them and God allows enemies to impose themselves upon God's people take them into exile and even when they return from exile, not having that, that flourishing in the glory days of David. From whose house, of course, as Zechariah says, the Messiah comes. So if the Messiah comes, it's a sign. It's a sign that God, in bringing freedom from enemies, is, is, is bringing, bringing this time of judgment To an end. But of course, when we look at Jesus, we know it goes so much further, so much deeper than that. It's not just about Israel. In Zechariah's song, this is mainly focusing on the people of Israel. I thought that that's that's who Zechariah was part of. But actually, the forgiveness which is brought through jesus and when we look at the cross is not just for the people of israel not just a sign for them but for the whole world that becomes clearer in some of the later bits of the poetry of christmas which we'll look at uh in coming weeks but there's forgiveness for jew and gentile at the cross Through generations to come, everything is changed with the coming of Jesus. He brings forgiveness of sins. That might be a a message which you just need to hear this morning, that there is the offer of a clean slate. And if you've been offered a clean slate and have accepted it, and you realise I've dirtied this one again, there's still the offer of a clean slate. And the offer of a clean slate. And the offer of a clean slate. And the offer of a clean slate. This is the good news we have in Jesus. I'm going thoroughly off script now, but there we go. I can remember when I was struggling as a teenager with with, with feeling whether I was forgiven. And a friend of mine... Just told me a story. And she just said it was uh, somebody who he chose to name Bill in the story. He said there was somebody who kept on messing up and came back to Garden. just said, Oh, I've messed up. Getting forgiveness. And then he does it again. He says, Oh, Lord, I've done it again. And the voice comes back and says, Done what again? Done what again? You were given a clean slate and you're given it again and again when we come back to God. That is forgiveness of sins. There's other language used here as well. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. There's the language of forgiveness, but there's the language of light coming into dark places. There's the language of the dawn coming. And maybe in our own era, our own time, we don't get this sense of the difference between night and day that previous generations had. That the day is when you can do stuff when you can see stuff and the night is when you kind of just have to wait because the best light you've got is an oil lamp or whatever (laughs) you can't do a lot by that we now you know have lights blaring at whatever time of day and night we want to and we don't have that sense but here the the waiting the waiting the waiting to be able to see properly to see clearly to act and to live rather than just sitting in the darkness waiting for the dawn but this is the language of people sitting in darkness waiting for the light to come the light is often welcomed sometimes it's not New Testament does talk about uh, people who, who don't want the light to come because actually what's done in the darkness will be seen <laughs> in the light. I can remember as a teenager uh, falling over in pitch darkness and, and injuring my hand. And it was pitch darkness and I was sort of, no streetlights, no moonlight, nothing. It really was, And I was feeling my way around the outside of this house so that I could get in and then finally see get some light so I could see how bad or not the injury was when it was brought into the light you can actually see what's been done in the darkness it might be an unwelcome sight (laughs) but actually it can be dealt with when it's in the light or as I was thinking of this As I was preparing, I thought of the image of of people who are after an earthquake and and rubble. Maybe they're trapped in a cellar and rubble has has covered. And how glorious, how glorious that first shaft of light into that dark place as the rescuers come. As that bit of light shines into the darkness and you say, Thank God. Rescue is on the way. There is hope. Darkness does not win. And the song ends, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the path of peace. The word peace is an important one in hebrew it is the word shalom shalom it's a standard jewish greeting but shalom means much more than the the absence of war it means wholeness harmony right relationships Right relationships between people, right relationships between people and God, right relationships between, I'm going to actually say people and their, and and the created world. Right relationships between the different parts of ourselves which sometimes war against each other. A place of human flourishing in community and in relationship with God. That's what the Bible means by peace. A place of human flourishing in community with relationships being as they should be, including with God, with whom there is an intimate awareness. And that, that's the glorious reality to which the Messiah, to which Jesus is leading people. To guide our feet into the path of peace. It's a journey which we are still on. We have not reached that fullness. But the glory is that in Jesus we begin to taste the future which is certain and sure. Even though it's not fully worked out yet. We begin to taste its goodness. God's peaceable kingdom where the lion lies down with the lamb. And that's coming, that's coming through Jesus, who John is pointing to. Everything changes with the coming of Jesus. God is on the move. God is on the move. That was clear from these Mary's song, which we looked at last week. It, it's clearer here. Here. the emphasis is not so much on the poor and the humble which it was with Mary here it is on those who are in darkness and sin those who are under judgment and actually in this it is maybe even more closely focused on a person on the person of Jesus who is coming It's all centred around what God is doing, but what God is doing through this person, this Messiah to whom John points. Let's listen again to this song. I'm going to read it actually in a different translation just so that maybe some of the bits come through fresher or different so that we hear it in two different translations. Let's praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because He has come to help His people and has given them freedom. He's given us a powerful savior from the family of God's servant David. He said that he would do this. There was holy prophets who lived long ago. He promised He would save us from our enemies and from the power of all those who hate us. He said He would give mercy to our ancestors. And that he would remember his holy promise. God promised Abraham, our father, that he would save us from the power of our enemies. So that we could serve him without fear. Being holy and good before God as long as we live. And now you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High God. You'll go before the Lord to prepare his way. You'll make his people know that they'll be saved by having their sins forgiven. With the loving mercy of our God, a new day from heaven will dawn upon us. It will shine on those who live in darkness, in the shadow of death. It will guide us into the path of peace.
0: Thanks be to God. Amen.